everyone. Welcome back to Tea to Green with Jensen and Megan. Today, we are excited to welcome defending national champion Julia Johnson to our podcast. A fifth year at Ole Miss, Julia is undoubtedly one of the best golfers in program history. Not only did she lead their team to their first ever national championship title last spring, but she has a record tying high of four individual wins. She finished in first place at the 2021 Autumn Invitational, 2019 Battle at the Beach, 2018 Rebel Beach Invitational, and the 2017 Magnolia Invitational. She has had 41 top 20 finishes, 27 top 10s, and 18 top fives. She's also accomplished many other firsts within the golf program. She's had the best individual finish in the NCAA championship by a Rebel Women's Golfer, tying for fifth place last year, and the best finish of any Rebel Women's Golfer at the SEC championship, finishing runner-up her sophomore year. Along with a 70.72 stroke average her junior year, which was the lowest in program history, and she helped her team win their first ever SEC championship title during her sophomore campaign. We aren't done yet, folks. She has also been on the first team SEC and second team SEC twice each, along with the SEC All-Freshman Team and SEC Freshman of the Year. On the national scale, she has been named a WGCA All-American and Golf Week All-American. She's also a three-time participant in the Arnold Palmer Cup and has participated in the Augusta National Women's Amateur during her college career. Academically, she has also been or, academically, she has also seen success being named to the SEC Spring Academic Honor Roll. Julia, thank you for joining us. Hi guys, thank y'all for having me. I'm excited to be here. So give us the rundown. How'd you get started with golf? Well, I started playing golf when I was three. My dad, he used to have his trophy business. So he made golf clubs kind of on the side. He made me this little set when I was like three years old. So started kind of playing when I was three. I think I got my first lesson when I was five or six, maybe. So really young and then played my first tournament at seven, I think. So my dad definitely was the one who kind of got me into golf and took me to all those lessons and my first few tournaments, which was really fun. Growing up, what events did you play in? What kind of junior golf tournaments? Yeah, so when I was really young, I think when you're like seven or eight, really the only stuff to play in is like U.S. kids stuff. But the older I got, I I started playing AJGAs pretty late, which was kind of not a very smart decision. I played a lot of like local stuff. I'm from Louisiana, so I played a lot of local stuff. I played a lot of state ams and stuff like that, which I would personally not recommend because it's not great for recruiting. But um, I played a lot of U.S. kids, a lot of U.S. kids uh, at Pinehurst, like the national tournament, stuff like that when I was really young. And those were really fun. Some of the best memories like of my entire life are playing the Pinehurst, like U.S. Kids National Championships. That was really fun. Yeah, I don't think Pinehurst brings out many memories to a lot of people, especially Megan and I. (laughs) Not a lot of good ones now for me, actually. But when I was younger, there were a lot of good ones. What was your favorite tour, uh, like, as you grew up? Um... I don't know. I mean, I guess I would say I had the most fun playing in the stuff in Louisiana. There was like a Louisiana um, tour, kind of just like a junior tour that like a lot of the guys and girls played in together. So the tournaments would kind of all be together. And a lot of my best guy friends would play in is like the Arrowhead Junior Golf Tour. Like it was like just such a Louisiana thing, like, but 
um, I would say that was like the most fun I ever had. When I kind of was transitioning into playing AJGAs, I was so far behind the pack that like I had always felt kind of like an outsider looking in. Like I never got invited to like a Rolex. I never got invited to any of those invitational tournaments. I remember playing the invitational at Furman and I was like, I do not belong here. Like I was so intimidated by these girls because they had 14 year olds that had been playing AJGAs and had all this status. And I was just coming in and I always just felt really intimidated and kind of really like, um, just like I didn't really belong in that stuff, which is not a good feeling. If you've ever felt that way, I don't think anyone wants to feel like that. And the AJGA can be kind of like clicky sometimes. And so I would say I enjoyed playing in those tournaments. I was very honored to play in those tournaments, but I wasn't, I didn't have like my most fun at those tournaments, if that makes sense. I think that is so well said because that's the same situation I was in. Like I didn't start playing AJGA until it was super late. And I only played in the ones that were close. And the first one that I played in was the Furman one. Didn't even know it was an invitational. You know, it was, it was literally just two hours from home for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the whole clicky thing, like, yeah. couldn't agree anymore. And I totally felt so left out there. Um, yeah. I mean, great event, you know, but I, I was, it was the third round and I'm playing with Lexi Pano and I'm like, oh my gosh. You know what I mean? Now she and I are friends and everything. Beating me. Like, it's so scary. <laughs> yeah so intimidating uh but don't get me wrong like AJGA they've definitely like that's the college level like if you don't play college level golf like AJGA they have the golf courses the difficulty of the golf courses the length um they do a really good job with that but like the younger you start with those the better probably <laughs> for sure that's like always my advice to people when they're like kind of entering this world of golf is I'm like the worst thing you could do is get started really late, have no status on AJGA and kind of be just begging your way into these tournaments and playing the, in, like the qualifiers and stuff like that. So yeah. And for girls growing up, don't be involved in clicks. They're rude and it's not fun. <laughs> I love that. So uh, what else would you recommend for young golfers who are like looking to sharpen their game and help them reach that collegiate level other than AJGAs, anything? Yeah, I think there's a lot of, um, like the junior PGA is a great tournament. I played in that, I think two years. And that is really good. I think the worst thing you can do is kind of stay in your local area or stay in your state and just beat up on the same people and over and over and over again. I think it's so good to kind of go and compare your game to these girls at a national level, because the only thing that you can do is you can either win the tournament or you can learn from it and you can take a lot away. And I think that is really important to kind of go and just see where you stand against the best players in the world, see where you need to get better, see the level of difficulty of the golf courses. And then you go home and you just get better. I think like the junior PGA, I played in the big eye, which I don't know if that's still big, but I had a lot of fun there. So that was a good tournament. Um, Um, Did you play in the big eye in Mississippi, the rain out the whole week? Yes, I did play in that one. I played, that was at Annandale. That was like, I played in that one and I played in one in West Virginia but yeah those are yeah I would go find just tournaments like bigger events that you can qualify into like that like go qualify for the U.S. Women's Am like when you're young like when you're 13 14 the only thing you can do is not make it and you learn from it stuff like that is U.S. Junior those those tournaments like that would be really good to try and go for. So when did you start getting recruited by college coaches and everything? Um I would say pretty 
uh, like maybe 15 was when it kind of really started for 14. I mean, I'm from Baton Rouge. And so LSU was kind of always an option for me. I'd grown up like my home course for a while was U club. And so LSU was kind of always an option. I didn't really know if they would want me when you're like 13, whatever, but um, I'd say 14 LSU started to kind of talk to me. And then 15 is when I kind of got my first other SEC school, UG, I was looking at UGA and um yeah, and then I kind of like kind of stopped that process because I committed really young to LSU because I'd taken a visit to a school that I'm not going to say which one, but I really didn't like it. And I got really scared. And all of my family was from Louisiana. Every single one of my family members had gone to LSU. And so I got scared and I ended up just committing really early to LSU. And so my recruiting process stopped like nine months later because I had committed. So I the only few schools that really had looked at me kind of, I mean, they obviously stopped when I had committed. So it's like 15 and then it stopped at 16. So. So you, you committed at 15 to LSU? Yeah. I think I committed a couple days before I turned 16, maybe. Wow. That is young. Yeah. Really young. This was still in the era before they have kind of implemented all these new rules that they changed. Um, You had a lot of, a lot of kids committing when they were 13, 14, 15, which is, Looking back now, I mean, it's insane to me that a 13-year-old would know where they wanted to go when they're 18 years old. It's kind of sad. So give us this full circle back on how you committed to LSU at 15 and you're at Ole Miss. Yeah, so I, like I said, my whole family is from Louisiana. Everyone went to LSU. It was kind of just, I grew up every weekend going to LSU football games. It's just how I was raised. And I'm still a big LSU fan, I think. And so I committed young. I committed when I was almost 15 almost 16 and then just because I I didn't have a lot of knowledge on the recruiting process my parents didn't really either and so I didn't realize that there was more out there other than these few schools that had kind of contacted me I didn't know to kind of wait it out and play the waiting game so I committed young I committed like I said 15 16 and then um, the program when I had committed was okay then the closer I got to getting there, like my freshman year at Ole Miss, they didn't, LSU didn't make a regional tournament, which is just not the LSU that we know of. Obviously we think of LSU and we think powerhouse there. They just won the SEC championship. They're an amazing team right now, but my, like the latter end of my high school career. And then my freshman year of actual college, they weren't making regionals. And I was like, I also knew that they had a lot of great players previously. Madeline Sackstrom played there. She's played in the Solheim Cup now I knew that the history was there for LSU and I really wanted to go to a place where I could kind of make an impact and like leave my name and leave my legacy and um Ole Miss I had gone with two of my friends Connor Beth and Nacy Holiday they were committing to to Ole Miss and I was an LSU commit it was an LSU Ole Miss football game so I went as an LSU commit and my coach now Corey had just taken the job she was in her first year there and she wouldn't even talk to me. Like she was nice. Like she said, Hey, but she knew I was an LSU commit. She had like contacted the old coach, told her she wasn't doing anything sketchy because Corey is like, so by the book, it's crazy. And so I just went and I was like, Oh my God, I love this place. Like I fell in love with Ole Miss. Like, just like, I love the square. I love the whole atmosphere. And I drove myself home that weekend and like cried the whole time. Cause I knew I just wasn't going to be happy at LSU just because I needed to kind of grow. And I, you know, they were kind of stagnant and Corey was so young and like she brought all this great energy to Ole Miss and I could see her I've always I've said this a million times like I could see her vision like she 
she really did have this amazing vision for Ole Miss and what she wanted to do here. And so, and I could feel that. And I just had this like gut instinct. It was like, you need to go, like you need to go to Ole Miss. You need to decommit, which was the, the scariest moment of my life because my parents had basically told me if you do decommit and you don't get a scholarship, like if you don't go somewhere, like we're not paying for it. So like, that was also a factor too, where they were like, you have this amazing offer. Like, so it was kind of just, I like threw it up in the air and I was like, just God lead me where I need to go. And it all ended up working out. And it was just very like poetic how everything worked out. It was pretty cool. What a cool story. And the whole de decommitting process, how that go over with LSU, you know, you've been committed there for a few years. Yeah. Um, it was, it was obviously hard. I think it was, it was hard for my family. It was hard for my dad. It was hard for like my extended family. Um, I went and talked to the old head coach, Karen, and she's an amazing woman. Like she's so nice. And she was obviously upset, but she kind of understood. And I think that like hindsight, make like having someone commit that young is very, you take the risk of them being like, oh, I'm 17 now. I don't really know if I want this. So I think the new, the new rules the NCAA have implemented are really going to help stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I see LSU now and I'm like, like I, was, I, I just love that team. Like I think Garrett is such a good coach. I think they're going to do great things in the future. I have nothing but like respect and love. Like my whole family went to the national championship when they won. Like it's, we still like love LSU and I still love that team and it would like just root for that team always. So your parents were okay once you decided to go to Ole Miss, you know, they still love you even though you didn't go to LSU. Yeah, they, I mean, it was really hard for my dad, I think. And then they kind of got on board and then we start seeing success. And I think, I think they got it um, when I got to Ole Miss, I think they kind of understood more why I made that decision. So what does the team's training schedule look like for you guys? We, right now we're in finals, so it's a little weird, but so we work out twice a week. We train in the morning from 6.30 to 7.30, and then we have yoga Fridays from 6.30 to 7.30, and then we, which is like awesome. I would recommend that to anyone. Like yoga on Fridays is like my favorite time of the week. Um, and then we typically will play, like when season is just beginning, we will play uh, like a lot, like three or four qualifiers a week. And then we kind of get into playing mode and then we need to practice when we get home. And then we'll, we only, we, we take like one day, obviously we take one day off a week. Um, we like to play a lot, but we also like to practice. So it kind of just depends on where we're at in the season. If we are playing a lot every week or if we're practicing, um, but like fall, we have morning practice, which is really nice if anyone has morning practice and then spring afternoon practice. I'm so stuck on the yoga Friday. <laughs> so you guys do that the whole year? Yes. Like you get to do yoga once a week? Yes. And it's, we have a yoga, we have like a yoga trainer come in. She owns her own studio in Oxford and she comes in on Friday and she asks us, she's like, okay, so where, what do we need to work on this week? And it will be like hamstrings. And so for an hour, we basically just work on stretching and like, it's us and the men's team. So there's like 20 of us in there, but it is, I mean, it's a dream. Like, it's so nice. So when you guys have your practices, do your coaches require any drills for you guys to do? Yes, our practices are very, I would say they're very structured. Like if we get there 
a lot of times I'll say 30 minutes to warm up on the range or putt or do what you need to do. And then um, like today, I can run y'all through a practice today if that's because we, we do a lot of, we have the short course, which is what we call it. And it's, we have seven holes, a putting green and a chipping green, but we have seven holes that span like 350 yards and they're replicas of like, we have 16 at Augusta National. We have eight at Shoal Creek. So, we, and then we have number four at Kiowa Island. So we have all of, we took the Strakas and we made these like holes, which is really cool. And so a lot of our practices are based on the short course. So today we had um, two flags at each hole and it's ranged from 70 yards to 140 yards and the long, and then you had a chip, a short-sided chip. And so the long shot was a par three, the short shot was a par two and you had to get through it even par. So, and the short shots were like 30 yards, pretty difficult. And so we do stuff like that a lot. Like we'll do a lot of scoring stuff. Like she'll, she'll, they'll make up a course and they'll be like, okay, loop it until you're at four under and stuff like that, which is really good for scoring. Like we never, I haven't stood on a range and like beat balls in a while. I did it for an hour yesterday and it was like, it felt kind of weird because we're always on the short course and it's so much fun. Cause it's so, it's like really hilly in these shots. Like we were hitting drivers on a short course the other day playing par fours, which is just like it's really fun. And we always kind of have a purpose. We always have a purpose to our practice. And so if we go to a tournament and we play poorly, like our wedge game is really bad. We'll have just a straight wedge practice for like three days of just scoring and stuff on the short course, which is, is really fun. And it makes practice go by really fast. Yeah. And you mentioned like, sometimes you'll even just have to like loop the short course until you like reach a certain score. And I think that's so cool. Cause that kind of adds some pressure to practice, which I feel like can be so hard sometimes when you're just like on the range or on a practice putty green to like be able to add that same kind of pressure of like, Oh man, if I make this putt, I can like just be done. Yes. It's very, a lot of pressure. And sometimes like it, we did a nine hole, like we, we practiced with boys teams sometimes too. And coach Malloy set up a nine hole thing for the boys. And it was like, very difficult like side hill lies all this stuff and you had to be even to get through it but it takes like an hour and 15 minutes or so to loop it because it's a while and so you're over that last putt on like the ninth hole and it's like a 10 footer for to stay even I mean that's the exact pressure kind of you feel in tournament sometimes so I think that that's so important for like junior golfers college golfers if you can find a way to feel those butterflies you feel in an actual event in practice I think that is so important because it's hard to replicate it but if you can get close to it I think it's it helps you a lot in competition yeah for sure um I mean with the short course like do you prefer to just go out there a lot or do you rather like go out on the golf course and play I I just like to go on the short course I and I can find myself getting like stuck out there it's just so you can hit so many different shots it's so there's there's a big creek that runs through the middle we have trees that like hang over greens and like hitting balls into the exact green of Augusta National like the 16th hole is so cool like it's so fun and so like I'll, I'll go hit 10 four irons and then I'll go hit a 30 yard chip over a creek to a pin that's two paces on so it's just it's so fun and it's so easy to get like just stuck out there just hitting all these fun shots I think I personally prefer to go just like hang out on the short course but playing is also important I need to remember that Jensen I don't know about you but I'd love to get like a 1v1 going out on the short course against Julia that sounds like a good time fun those are the best 
on our short course, we have speakers and and like 10 trees. And then we have lights, like we have like football stadium lights. And so um, I went out there the other night at like eight o'clock to go work out because we have like a workout thing up there. And a couple of people were out at like 8.30, it was dark and we had the lights on and then we had just like speakers. So we we're just blaring music. They were blaring like club music. Like it was, act- and it's like, it's so fun. And some days we'll get out there and coach Corey will be like, all right, who wants to turn the music on? And then the practice is automatically, we're just like, oh my God, it's gonna be a fun practice. Like the speakers are a vibe. Like they are so much fun. So is that a practice facility just for Ole Miss golfers? Yes. Yeah. That's for us. I mean, we have, uh, like, there's a couple pros that will come back. Like, Ken will come back. She'll practice. Uh, Braden Thornberry. Like, if you're, like, if you want to come back and you've been a golfer, but, like, no one else can go besides, like, now golfers or previous golfers. So it's really cool. Say you get Ox. What song are you playing first? I don't know. I, I have, like, an array of music that I like. I think – a really cool vibe that I did a lot last year um, was like heat waves and you get those going on the speakers and you're like, that is like, so like, it's a summer vibe. Like I'll go out there at the summer, like, like five 30 at night and you'll play that. It's so fun. So I think we established this a little bit earlier, but you've had a pretty successful career at Ole Miss and you won almost right away. Like your freshman year, you won an individual event. So what was it about your transition into college golf that allowed for you to perform so well almost right away? I don't know. Like, I think the preparation, the way that we prepared at Ole Miss was like very helpful for me. I don't know if I really knew how to practice in high school the way that I was supposed to. Um, And when I got to Ole Miss, we were ranked like 80th in the country. And so we had to be very disciplined in the way that we practiced. We were very diligent. We looked at stats a lot we looked at a lot of that stuff and so I, I like attribute a lot of that to coach Corey and my old coach coach Drew where they were very disciplined extremely disciplined and I think that that played a big role in it also just having a team around me I I lacked a lot of confidence in high school and I think that it was important to have people around me who believed in me and who who, who thought I could do it I think that those were two pretty big things I won like I said, my third tournament, I saw kind of a little bit of immediate success. And then I won again my freshman year in the spring. And it was just, I don't know. I think, I think you're more confident going into a tournament when you know you've done everything to prepare. I think we all feel that way. I think and the way that we practiced, I just always felt prepared. I always felt prepared when I got to a golf tournament. If I prepared the right way, then I could kind of go compete with anyone, which was really cool. And so I hadn't, I didn't feel like that in high school. I think that was probably the biggest difference so speaking of this transition from college golf to junior golf what would you say is like the most difference outside of the the confidence aspect you talked about between the two I think when you grow up this is such an individual sport and you play in things like the Wyndham Cup and like your state cups and stuff like that but it's so rare to play with teammates and with other people and then you get on a team and it's just a totally different world like I don't know about I can't say this for a lot of other college golfers, but I always play better in like my season than I do in the summer, just because I love having a team around me. I feel like I play harder when I have a team around me. I, I'm always fighting for them. I always want to give my all for them. And so 
I think having that, having a support system, having coaches that are kind of there for you in junior golf, you're really just out there grinding by yourself and it can be really difficult. So that was probably just the people and the team is really important. And then just like with life in general, you know, making that jump from college to high school, what was it like for you to make that, that switch? I don't know. I feel like we all kind of, you like feel a sense of freedom when you get to college that you've never felt before. You don't go to bed when you should. Like I look back on it now. I'm like, oh my gosh, how was I staying up till 2am and then going to workouts at six? Like there's just no way. And so I think you have to learn you get all this freedom and then you're not disciplined with it and you're not really doing what you need to be like need to be doing with it trying to find a way to just be disciplined and to yeah to just like manage my time well that's such a big thing is like time management it's so important what you talk about with sleep is so accurate too because I was the same way where I'd be going to bed at like two in the morning getting up at like seven and it catches up to you so fast, you know, you think that you can get away with it. But looking back yeah. on it now, like as I'm a junior, I'm like, there's just, like, there's just no way I can do that now. Like it catches up to you pretty fast. Yeah, I look, I, I go to bed like nine. Like I just like freshmen think that they're invincible and they can like literally go to bed. They can eat whatever they want. And like, I'm just not the older I've gotten, the earlier I've started to go to bed. And I think it's so like sleep is so important. And I just did not prioritize that my freshman year. And it like it caught up to me sometimes. If you had to pick one college golf event, that's your favorite. What would you say it is? Oh my gosh, definitely SECs. Like for sure. It is my, is my favorite course in the world. It's my favorite week in golf. I, I love SECs. Like I just has been, it has always been such a special tournament to me. And I definitely shed some tears this year leaving. It was very, very sad. As we alluded to, you've helped this program achieve so much during the last four and a half years. Were these goals you had coming into college? Yeah, yes. So it's kind of funny at the national championship, they they like were like one of the final things was like they showed these like five goals I had written that I had like I had wanted to do coming into college. I had sat down with my swing coach at the time and we had written these goals down. I forgot about these goals. Like I wrote these in 2000, like summer of 2017. That's a long time ago. And Corey like remembered it and like kept a picture of it, but we couldn't like, it was, they were old. And so Burko was like, Steve Burkowski was like, oh, can she just like, can we find these goals? Like we need to, like, we need to put these on the thing or whatever. So the last day before I got there, I wrote these goals down on a piece of paper. I mean, I remember them. I know exactly what they were. They were SEC freshman of the year. That was really important to me. I wanted to be um, SEC champions. I really wanted to be a first team All-American. That was like really important to me. I wanted to be the SEC player of the year and I wanted to win a national championship. Did I say that right? Yeah, so there was like five of them. I did four out of the five. I didn't, I had never been an SEC player of the year, but there was a few things I wrote down. Obviously you write down goals and it's like, a part of you believes you can do it. A part of you is like, these are big aspirations. I don't know if I can get there, but I really, a few of those, I thought we could do it. The national championship was like, okay, like, sure. But I, I, I really wanted to be the SEC freshman of the year. I winning an SEC championship was cool. I think goals are really important. And if you go into something and you have no goals, why are you doing it? Like, what are you doing it for? You're just there to kind of for the ride. So 
goals are important. I think it's really important to write them down. I think because it you put it on paper and you see like this is what I want to do. So yeah, it was cool to look back and be like, wow, I did a bunch of this stuff that I wanted to do. How much do you think your your coach's goals differ from yours? Obviously, I mean they're not going to be SEC freshman of the year, yeah. but like team wise. Yeah, I think I think I think every coach wants to win their conference. They want to win a national championship. I think sometimes it's a big thought and sometimes you need to be realistic with what you can do and the progression your team is making. Like if you would have told Corey, uh, you're like, do you have a goal to win a national championship? We went to nationals my freshman year for the very first time in program history and we finished dead last. So she'd be like, oh, yeah, I want to win a national championship, but I also just want to go back. Like, so I think your, your goals shift and they align to what you can do. And I think every year we kind of realize more and more like, Hey, we could win a national championship. Like we, I think, yeah. So I think, I think their goals do align. I think, I mean, it's the same kind of deal. Like Corey was voted the, um, the WGCA coach of the year last year. Like that's probably a goal of every coach, which is really cool. And so they probably align a little bit and there's always individual goals you want to reach for yourself. What roles have your coach, what roles have your coaches had in turning your program into what it is today? Corey oh was God. pretty new coming yeah. in and you just recently, you got Zach, what, two or three years ago? Yeah. So we got Zach, um, my, the beginning of my sophomore second semester. So he came in and he was with us for like four tournaments before we won SECs. Um, Corey is, I've said, I mean, I say this in everything I do. Corey is in a, like, she's the best head coach in the country, in my opinion, and we all aren't biased, but what she's done, the progression of our program from my, from when she got here, when she got to Ole Miss, I'm pretty sure we were ranked like 120 something. Like we were dead last in conference. We were basically a joke. Like it was, the golf team was basically a joke. And so every year there was an incline. And then I got there like two years after she'd been there or one year after she'd been there. And then we see these big jumps and it's just, she's such a disciplined coach. She's so diligent with the way she coaches. She's so honorable. She like, I've never seen her do a shady thing in my life. She couldn't even talk about it. She'd be stressed out. So she just does everything the right way. She's very disciplined. She expects us to be very disciplined and she's a really good coach and she's really good with on-course stuff. She used to caddy for like on the PGA and the LPGA. And she's like, as good as she is off the course with like management of everything, she's even better like on the course. Like she walked, she, my freshman year, she walked every single golf hole with me, like everyone. And at national, she walked every hole with me. Like she's essentially just a really good caddy too, which is really cool. You don't have that on a lot of coaches, I don't think. Winning that SEC championship, what was the feeling like looking back on it? Do you think it helped position your team to win nationals down the road? Yeah, for sure. I think, I think again, in my sophomore year, we were still kind of a joke. I mean, we, we had had a few good tournaments. We won these tournaments, but it was more of like, almost as a fluke. Like we went in as the eight seed, like we've had to work really hard to get respect in like the NCAA, I think. And I, especially sophomore year, we still had zero respect. Like it was. And so I think NCAA's taught us and it like affirmed us that like you are a good program you are a good team you can do this like you have the ability to win these big events you can go win three rounds of match play like which is really cool I think 
And I, I, yeah, I think SEC's boosted us because the next year, which was COVID year, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. We had won like six tournaments, like five out of, we had won like five out of six. Like we were playing really well. And I don't think we would have done that had we not won SEC's. I think SEC's kind of instills a lot of confidence in you, especially with our conference, because the SEC is like, it is legitimately like looking at the facts, the best conference in golf a lot, like almost every year in and out, year out. Like they have, obviously there's amazing teams in other, like in other conferences, but like the most teams in the top 10 or top 15. So beating a lot of really good teams is, it will give you confidence. Now that your program has won a national title, how or what do the coaches and team do moving forward to sustain that success? Yeah, I think that's hard. I think doing something for the first time is very difficult. And I think you kind of saw that with us in the fall. We did not we did not have our best fall as a team. We've kind of picked it up a little bit this spring with a win and playing better at conference. But I think it's really hard and you put a lot of pressure on yourself. I think it's important to remember that just you have to go try to do it again. You can't rest like you can't be okay with what you've done. You can't just say oh we did that last year like I find myself like re-watching a lot of the videos sometimes and I'm like no go do it again this year like go try to go try to do it again this year and so you kind of just have to set new goals you have to really try to go attack it and go do it again you can't be okay with just having done it one time and I think there's obviously like growing pains with any program doing it the first time like that's just it is what it is like it's just hard to be the first and then have to back that up so we're kind of getting out of that a little bit. I think we're playing a lot better in the spring. We've played well at conference and yeah, you just, you just got to keep pushing forward. I think. You made the comment of setting new goals. So easier said than done, obviously, you know, new goals change, you know, per team, per tournament. But when you say set new goals, are you talking about process oriented goals? Or, I mean, you have to talk about process oriented goals for there to be new goals. Cause like, yeah, of course I want to win nationals again, but how am I going to do that? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think process oriented goals are like awesome. I think it's good to have long-term goals and it's good to have these big goals. Um, you could say I specifically want, want to win the 2022 national championship, but you win you don't win that week. You win based on the, what you've done in the months and the days before, like that week is just, okay, y'all got hot. You played well. Like, that's just how it is. Like teams get hot. They make a few putts, but you win on the practice facility, the months leading up to that national championship. And I think it's so important to have process oriented goals, like find something in your swing. You want to fix, find like a, a putting stat. Like you want to, you want to have more strokes gain putting, Stuff like that is really important because it leads to the winning. You don't just win. Like there's no one just wins. You win by finding little things in your game that you can fix over a period of time. So yeah, I think process, like my, like a few of my, like, I would say process oriented goals is having a good stroke average, having um, good par five scoring average, things like that are things that lead to winning. You don't just win. You find ways to fix little things in your game to win. So I would I would do that if I were a player telling a player what to do. Like go find like if you are bad at par threes, go improve your par three scoring average. Stuff like that is like very helpful to me to fix. And building off of that, how do you as a team help onboard the new freshmen and transfer that would come in? 
to those goals, you know, and to sustain that success. You know, you have a transfer coming in. How do you push those same expectations, rules, you know, and the whole culture on that incoming freshman or transfer? Yeah, I I say I've taken a lot of ownership with like the transfers and the freshmen. I think because I've been here for so long, this program has become like my child. Like I I love it and I would do anything to protect it. And so I'm very big on like, these are our values. Like you're either going to get on board with it or you're probably going to try to go find another place to play golf. Cause I'm not big on, you're going to do things. You're like, we have a way that we do things and it works really well. And there's obviously a lot of individualism to Ole Miss golf, but I'm just, we do things a very diligent, very respectful way. And so and I, we've been so lucky with so many good freshmen. Like we've had such a sweet freshman come in this semester. We have had great transfers. Ellen Hume is one of my best friends. And so I think it's just kind of being like, hey, this is what we're about. Like, this is what we believe in. This is how we practice. This is how we do things. Like just buy it. Like, I think it's so important to just kind of sh- like show these freshmen and transfers, like this is our team. These are our values. Like we'd love to have you be a part of it. And just like, I'm all about buying in, like just buy into the program, buy into what we're doing and you'll see individual success too. Have you had a lot of problems with them not wanting to buy in? We've had like a few problems with certain players. Um, I like got a freshman in my car one time and drove her around for two hours because she wouldn't listen to me. And so I was like, okay, well, you're just going to sit in my car and I'm going to force you to listen to me. And so I think, I think, with those players and it all comes from like such a place of love like I want you to play well for the team but I also just want you to like flourish as a person and so I like I invest a lot of my time and energy into the freshmen into transfers because I wish I would have had seniors that had done that for me and so I I do I love to do that for the freshmen I love to be there I love to be a sounding board but I'm also like somewhat strict on them like I'm going to hold them accountable and I'm going to going to make sure that they are kind of achieving like their to their best ability but yeah because I I just wish like I wish I would have had people and I had some but like freshman year is hard and it's and it's hard to come into a program as a transfer and so to have someone to kind of lean on is important I think you guys have a lot of different culture on your team yeah how does that vary yeah, I think like we have, we only have two Americans on our team this year, but a lot of Swedes, a lot of, um, we have a Danish player, Swiss, like we have so much culture. And I think, I think it's so fun for me as a person. I've grown so much as a person just from all these different people on the team. Like it's been so enjoyable. They're my best friends. And so to say you have best friends that live in Sweden and Switzerland and all these places is really cool. As far as like the leadership, roles I would say I am definitely like a leader of the team I like when Ken was Kennedy Swan was on the team last year she is a lot more vocal than I am I'm more um she's very vocal I'm more of like kind of the laid back like I will lead in the way that I practice I'll lead in the way that I play I'll lead by just kind of doing the right things Ken was pretty vocal and she, she and I definitely like kind of switched off on the leadership roles last year like we kind of were yin to yang, which was pretty cool. Um, I'd say it's definitely like, I I take a lot of responsibility as being a leader on this team. And um, we have so many people that have stepped up. Like we have so many people who 
enjoy being like we have definitely leaders on the golf like Chiara Tamberlini and Dre Andrea like now like they lead with their golf they've helped us so much this semester and so you can lead in different ways you don't have to just be loud to lead I think leading takes a lot of different shapes and forms you lead with the way you practice you lead with the way you hold yourself and so anyone can be a leader you can be a freshman and be a leader I think yeah, and I think that's what's super cool to see, especially with the different cultures nowadays on teams, you know, like, you know, even just the different culture, they lead in different ways. And everyone leads in a way, you know, whether it be, you know, head down, focus, this is how it's going to be, this is how I'm going to get it done, I'm going to get it done this way, and it's going to be good. Or, you know, like you said, vocalizing it, saying, being the leader of the group, saying, guys, this is our plan, this is our attack, you know, you do this, I, I do this as a team, you know what I mean? Um, so it's so cool to see. And it's just a matter of like knowing as a team who leads in what way. And when that person leads in a way, you know, just take a step back, you know, that's their specialty. You know, they get, they're good at getting us as a team, as a group and like either throwing out rules or just getting things done or following people just because of how hard they practice, you know, and envy that and push yourself in that aspect. Yeah, for sure. I think that you're, you're so right. Like you can lead and never be vocal ever. Just lead by the way you practice. And that's really cool. So take us through that moment you realize your team had won the national championship. I mean, you've, like you said, you had that goal and for it to be written down that final round and it to actually pan out the way it did. Take us through that. That was so, I mean, so special. What like my, so I was, I think I was, I was definitely the last off. So Kiara had finished like on the 13th hole. So I was back, I was four up at the time. So I think I was either going into my last hole or my second to last hole. And I was so far back from everyone because Kiara had finished. Um, Dre was up there. Canada had gone in front of Dre. So they were together. So all of them were together. And Corey and I, like how poetic is this, are like back. She had been with me the whole time. So she's back with me. So like the two that have been here, like me and Corey have been here for at that point four years like just like we started together and we won the national championship being together which was so cool to me like because everyone sees that like embrace on when Dre won the putt and they were all together but like having Corey be there with me and like my dad goes like Corey was kind of smiling I think she knew it was coming to an end and I was just pushing my cart like I think I'd missed the green I had this like short little chip so I was pulling my glove off and Corey like raises her arms in the air and she goes or my dad goes, it's over. And Corey goes, we won. And like, she like, she does that. Then she pulls her sunglasses off because she picks me up. And it was like, I think I was, I was definitely in shock. Like I was, I, I know I was in shock. So I was kind of just like, I was just laughing. And then I did an interview and I started like sobbing. Like they, cause they, so they pulled me immediately. The camera crew pulled me in there. Cause I was going to start sprinting to go find my team. Cause we were so far back. And they pulled me and they were like, no, you need to do an interview. Like, stay here. I was like, no, I'm going to go find my team. And they was like, no, just 30 seconds and then we'll put you on air. And I mean, in that 30 seconds, I was sobbing. Like, there's a picture of me where I'm just like tears streaming on my face. I like, I literally cry every time I think about it. But it's one of those moments I think we've all like, especially me in high school, because I just, you just like it's a dream like it's just like you never in your life think that it could really happen and especially for a school like Ole Miss like I mean you kind of go to these powerhouses you go to 
Duke, you go to Stanford and you kind of expect it. Like sometimes I think that you go to Stanford and you're like, okay, if we don't win one in four years, we're kind of like, it's kind of a bust. But for us, it's like, who would have freaking thought? Like, so it's kind of, um, it's such a happy moment of life. Like it was just peak happiness and joy, I think. Going off the whole powerhouse thing, you know, obviously Ole Miss, not powerhouse in golf. Now, otherwise different, you know, last yeah. year, you know, yeah. one of thought. Um, but even Ole Miss as a whole, not even the golf. You guys yeah. have never won, no women's program has ever won a national championship. How were you guys greeted after, you know, bringing the national championship trophy back and celebrating yeah. on campus? campus? How was that? Yeah, it was so fun. Unfortunately, finals were like two weeks before, so no one was here, like no students were here. But we, so we took a jet home. Like we took, they chartered us a plane back the next morning, which was really cool. Um, we had this like 50 person plane, like it was so fun. So we get to the private airport and we look and we're flying in and we look down and there was like these, these huge double decker buses. There's probably like, I don't know how to like, I don't know like the number of people, but it was like a crazy amount of people there. We had all of our cheerleaders. We had like our mascot, like, and then everyone. So like everyone even affiliated, like all of the people who work in admin, like just everyone was there. And then just, we had like all these like little kids had all the posters. And so then we got on the double decker buses, which is like a staple in Oxford. It's like this, it's like a London bus where you can sit at the top and it's like open. And they took us and there was like a parade through the town, which was so sweet. And then we got to the square and there were so many people in the square and we gave the mayor was there that she gave a speech and then Corey gave a speech and then they made me give a speech. And I was like, oh my God, I sorry. It was just tears. Like I was just, it was such a sweet speech that I look back and I'm like, I don't know how I said the stuff I said. Like I was like, I, cause I didn't know I was doing it, but it was so, so sweet. So fun. And final thought on the whole national championship thing. Your whole team was out there. Did all of your girls from the start of the championship come out there or did they fly in mid where, when did they come? Yeah. So we brought seven, no. Yeah. We brought seven girls there because we had had so many injuries. Like people don't realize before we got there, we didn't think Kiara was going to be able to play. Ellen Hume played the first round and had to pull out because she ended up having so shoulder surgery like eight weeks ago, maybe. So she's been fighting a shoulder injury for a really long time and then we didn't know if Kiara was going to play so two of our like studs like two of our best players we were unsure if they were going to play or not um so we brought seven out there to kind of just give us options and then McKinley who was a freshman she redshirted she flew herself out there which was really sweet and then we had one girl Macy Smosky um who she was still on the team but she had I think she had started a job maybe and so she was back in Florida so she was the only one that wasn't there but McKinley flew herself out there which was really sweet so it was like all eight of us together which was really cool so yeah it was nice of, it was really nice of her to fly out there um and come support us what was it like having you know going into the national championship just the event you know no match play ideas or anything um you know, everything's up in the air with who's playing. How did that as a team work? You know what I mean? Obviously it's a coach's decision to say, all right, you're being subbed in, you know, you're not feeling well. Um, but for the girls that were on the line of being subbed in or not, you know, what was their mindset? What were, were they ready to go from the get go? You know, are they hoping that they get to play and someone else doesn't or like, what was their mindset like? 
their energy. Yeah, I think it's so important when you're on that line to be just like, like to just be a team player and be like, whatever you need me to do, I'll do. And that's kind of how we were with some of the girls. Um, we gave Hume, Ellen Hume, like we gave her, like she was hitting one arm bunker shots in the practice round because she couldn't hit a bunker shot because it hurt so bad. And we just like, she wanted to play so badly and she had been such a key role player for us. Um, so she played the first round and unfortunately played really poorly. Um, just was hurt and like just was hurting and so then we put in Smilla Saunderby who ended up winning that match like the quarterfinals match for us and she played awesome I think she shot like three rounds of 74 which at that golf course like that was a very good round at that golf course the way it was playing and so she counted for us like maybe every day like and so Smilla really stepped up to that role and she hadn't even been playing that well prior and so she like flourished she like got she was like I got this opportunity like I'm just going to go go all in and she played like really well in the rounds of stroke play and then obviously like won her last two holes to take his extra holes in the quarterfinals and then won in extra holes in quarterfinals so she really balled out she stepped up as your time at Ole Miss is starting to come to an end and you're looking back on the time you spent there what would you describe your time like being a student athlete Oh my God, it's so special. I'm, I literally cry all the time thinking that it's almost over. I have found such a sense of like identity being at Ole Miss and being a student athlete here and such a sweet like family here at Ole Miss. I think it's, I think it's so special. Um, I'm really gonna, I'm really gonna miss it. I would, it's been the best five years of my life, hands down. I just, I'm so appreciative of like all the people and just how they've welcomed me and welcomed just my team. And it's just been a really, really sweet, fun five years. And in your opinion, what does it mean to you to be a rebel? Oh my God, I'm gonna cry. Um, I don't know, it's so special. Like, it's just so, I don't know, to be, I, I just, I really love this school and I'm really grateful that they like took a shot on me in high school and that, Corey was willing to take a shot on me and just um, the people that have impacted me so much in my time here I've all I've ever wanted to do is kind of make them proud and just carry my bag or push my bag with honor and like make and honestly just make them proud and I just I hope that I could leave a mark here that I can look back and be proud of and that they could be proud of and I'm just I'm thankful that I've gotten to represent this school for so long like in represent the southeastern conference like it's been just so unbelievable okay before i make you cry we'll switch to something new <laughs> so on your team like do most people live like on campus or off campus and, like do they live together like is that common for you guys yeah, uh a lot only the freshmen really live on campus like if you transfer in i think you have to live in the dorm for like a like a little bit but um everyone like I live off campus I live in a house McKinley and I live together and then four of the other girls we call it the European house they live together um and then the two freshmen live on campus in dorms so we've talked a little about like the transfers and you know the importance of playing the, the leadership role and helping them kind of find their way on the team would you say it's it's different kind of integrating the the transfers into the team culture than it is with the freshmen or is it pretty similar 
No, I think I personally, like my experience of having a couple of transfers is much harder. Like it's, it's really hard, especially mid-year transfers. Like Kennedy came in as a mid-year transfer. And I think she would even like, we've talked about this all the time. Like it's really difficult to come in because you feel like you have to just like prove yourself immediately. Like you come in and you're like, you're like, oh, like, and you say everything you've kind of done previously. And you feel like you have to earn respect, like at a really rapid pace, like freshmen kind of come in and their identity kind of becomes the team and you come in as a transfer and like where you still kind of hold your old identity and who you are previously and so I would definitely say it's much I mean I've never been a transfer I've been a freshman but I would say from personal experience it's much harder to be a transfer and um I would just say to let that process like gradually play out like you don't have to immediately come in and like be automatically best friends with everyone on the team like that's hard to do like it just is like like respect comes like slowly but also quickly too at the same time so I think just let that process play out I think and just understand it's going to be a little hard but but like Ellen Hume came in 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 August and by like November was like everyone's best friend. Like she was just like lover. So I think it, I think it's transfers are really good and they've really benefited my program. So I'm grateful for it. So you guys have Isabella Fierro coming in as a new transfer. She's leaving Oklahoma state. What's it like to get these people and how to integrate them into your culture? Yeah, I think it's, especially Isabella because she's had such a big profile kind of in the world of golf. She's very, well-known she's very well respected having her choose us over I mean she could have honestly gone anywhere in the country I think she had an abundance of options so having her and she chose us very quickly too which is kind of cool like she didn't take a lot of visits and we were kind of blindsided when she even contacted us like she had entered the portal and then the next day reached out to Dre because she was she had played with Dre at a tournament like a week prior and they played 36 holes, walked a lot together. She played Dre at the national championship. So she knew her pretty well. And so she reached out and she was like, what do you love about Ole Miss? Like, how's your experience been there? And I think I almost, I haven't really talked to Isabella personally about this, but I almost feel like when you decommit from a school, you have another school in mind kind of. And I think she might've had us in mind. And so having her commit to us kind of puts us on the map again a little bit I would say like oh wow like she's going to Ole Miss like this stud is choosing to go to Ole Miss over I mean any she could have gone anywhere honest to God so I think it's good for our program I think it's she's obviously going to kind of integrate very easily when it comes to golf she's going to play immediately if I were to bet on it um she's just a really good player and I think she's been really sweet I don't know her super well so I don't really know her like as a person, but like every interaction I've ever had with her, she's been really sweet. So I think she'll do really well. I'm excited for the team next year to have her. You're not really going to be on the same team with her, um, but you know, you being one of the leaders on this, I mean, you've been there for four, four and a half, five years. Um, You being a leader there for so long and being so consistent, are you going to be able to take her on that two hour car ride to not some sense yeah I don't don't know if she'll need it she's a good player and she cares a lot about golf she's very she's very dedicated and diligent um I'm obviously not gonna like relinquish all of my like I just love this place like I feel like I'm gonna be back here a little bit like I want to work within the Ole Miss Foundation I want to do fundraising I want to help us 
and the donor aspect. I'm actually going to have a meeting about that tomorrow. So I want to stay very active, like within the program, I could see myself coming back a lot and just um, like helping out in any way I can. I, like I said, this is literally like my child. Like I've loved this place. I love this program. I've put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into it. So I don't see myself just being like, all right, guys, I'm out. Like, that's just not who I am. Um, so yeah, I don't think Isabella will need a two hour car and I think she'll be fine. So now kind of looking forward, can you first off tell us about, you know, all the different degrees you have in master's um, that you've spent the time to earn and kind of what your plans are for after college with those? Yeah, so I have been very fortunate to get a lot of degrees at Ole Miss. I have an undergrad degree in political science with a minor in psychology, and then I have an MBA from the Ole Miss Business School. I got that last year, and then I am finishing up hopefully by the time this comes out, I'll be graduated from the uh, Master's of Science in Sports Analytics with an emphasis on business management. So I'll have an undergrad and two masters leaving this place. So I'm very, very grateful for all that Ole Miss has given me, especially when it comes to academics. I think they've been so good to me and I've been so fortunate to kind of get a bunch of degrees here. So, and then moving forward, I um, potentially have an opportunity to kind of do something with the golf channel, like a little bit of on-course commentating, maybe analysis stuff. I'm going to try that out this summer. I might, may even try it out at Greyhawk again, um, which will be really cool. Maybe I can go to like some college events, like the Blessings Golf Tournament and do do some stuff like that. I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, yeah, I'm kind of just weighing out all of my options right now. I I would love one day, um, if Golf Channel stuff doesn't work out, to maybe get into an athletic department and lead, build my way up to being um, an AD one day. I think that would be really cool. I think there's a lot of lack of representation of females in that role. We see athletic directors and we think male. And I think that that is something that kind of needs to be changed because half of student athletes are women. So um, yeah, I think I think I'm kind of weighing on all my options right now. I'm excited about the golf channel stuff. I think it could be a really cool opportunity. I like to talk, so this may be good for me. But um, yeah, I think maybe one day kind of finding my way back into sports, like back into an athletic department would be really cool. I'd love to like help student athletes the way that I've been helped because I've the, the athletic department here has been so good to me. So if I could impact a student athletes life the way they have it'd be really cool and obviously you are like such a key player on this team and just like any other college sport you know you have key players and leaders who leave all the time um and how does kind of your team deal with that and how do you see different leadership roles change within your team when you know in the past you had like Kennedy who who graduated last year you know what was it like kind of having to make different changes there yeah I think um teams evolve that's a big thing is like evolving is hard and a team kind of finds an identity and then people leave and then people get brought in and so golf teams and like like you said like all sports teams in college are ever-changing and I think it's just so important to kind of adapt to what you're given I think my team is in very good hands in regards to leadership I think like Andrea Lignell, Kiara, Ellen Hutchinson staying for fifth year, Ellen Hume staying for fifth year. So we have next year, we will be a very old team in regards to having a bunch of seniors. 
And so I think I don't see any one of them being very like super, super, super vocal in regards to like yelling, whatever. But I think they're going to, a lot of them are going to lead like with their golf, with their play, how they study off the course. Like there's just so many leaders, like I think will be on the team next year. And so I'm excited to see the dynamic change a little bit. I think it'll be fun with three freshmen coming in next year. So um, it'll be cool. I think I think our, our team is going to have a lot of success next year, which will be really fun. Isabella will obviously be a vocal leader too. I think she's pretty vocal, so she'll step into that role pretty well. What is the most important thing you learned from playing college golf? Such a good question. Um, I don't know, perseverance, like the ability to kind of get knocked down and like find a way to get back up and um, diligence, I would say, discipline, like college athletics. I, I, people who don't like participate in college athletics, I just don't think they'd understand how like disciplined of a human being you have to be and how you, it's so hard. And I think it kind of like molds you into the person you are. Like I, I don't think I would be half the person I am today without college golf or Ole Miss or any of this. So I'm very, I'm a disciplined person, I guess, because of this. If there was one piece of advice you would give your 18 year old self upon entering college, what would that be? Don't wish time away. Like you, there's so, so much of your life. You're like, oh, I wish I was an upperclassman. Or, oh, I'm like, I'm ready for summer. Or like, don't, don't wish time away. You can never get it back. You'll never be 18 years old again, like experiencing college for the first time. And I think that's such a, a, a fault of humans is to be like, oh, I wish I was, I was older. I wish I was this. I wish I was that. You'll never get like the moment you're in back. Like, it's just so valuable. Just appreciate where you're at in life right now. Well, if you're lucky enough, you can be Julia and be there for five years. Exactly. Maybe longer. <laughs> two masters. <laughs> Julia, thank you so much for joining us. Thank y'all for having me. I'm excited to be here with y'all. And thanks for listening to Tea to Green with Jensen. And Megan. Yeah.